All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 245. LeBron pulls up to the Drew and does Braun things. I got some summer league stories from Vegas that you're going to want to hear. DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns finally come to a deal. Russ fires his agent. And you're going to want to stick around for the final thought. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 245. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I have been recovering from my stint at Summer League in Vegas. Drew has been getting ready for yet another Hawaiian vacation. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to get one out uh, before Drew takes off because it's difficult to do podcasts when he's in Hawaii and I am here. And then meanwhile, I'm trying to watch this uh, Drew League game, Drew. We got LeBron pulling up to the Drew League playing. Uh, I, this is everything I love about, about summer basketball, Drew. If if anybody is watching this game right now, there is – you know how they always say standing room only? There isn't even standing room at this gymnasium right now. Everybody, unless you're sitting front row, is standing up, and, and he's done nothing but show out. And this <laughs> is really dope because – Draymond sitting next to Quavo at center court and you got Clipper Daryl there and you got, you know, everybody's there to watch LeBron people lined up this morning, you know, two and a half, three hours early trying to get into the gym uh, with, and they were thinking Kyrie was supposed to play too. And got, you know, shocking Kyrie hasn't shown up yet. Maybe he's going to get the late game. Uh, but it's just, this is what people on the Lakers should do. You know, it's, I think it's 10 years too late for LeBron. I know he showed up in 2011, but look, if you play in LA and you are a Laker, you should be playing in the Drew. Show up for one game, give the fans something they want, and that's exactly what he's doing. So I'm stoked. What do you think? Yeah, I'm surprised uh, that, he's, that he decided to do this. It's a lot of fun for everybody that decided to go. Uh, and and a really cool moment for the guys that he's playing against, right? Like, and with, you know, assuming that not everybody on the team that he joined in the Drew is already in the league. So, yeah, I think I think it's a, a really fun thing. I'm nervous because the last thing we need is for LeBron to roll his ankle in the fucking Drew League is his 40 year old ankle. We don't need we don't need that. <laughs> so I'm like I'm like I'm checking my phone constantly to make sure that he's not, you know, injured. And I have to assume there's like a different level of like there's a you know, we, a lot was made of the basketball code during the playoffs. I think there's a different code for when LeBron James hits the floor for the Drew League. Uh, don't fucking touch him. Don't right. touch LeBron. Like so, he better have 50 points because no one's no one's gonna be trying to body him up, uh, you know, too hard. I, I mean, that's my that's my prayer. Uh, I don't want somebody to be like, this is my moment, and I'm gonna lock up LeBron, and then all of a sudden he gets injured or poked in the eye or, you know, whatever. So I'm terrified of that. But on on to your point. Uh, it is awesome. It's one of the coolest things about basketball is that you never know who's going to show up, even to you know your local gym. Sometimes that happens, especially around L.A. You can get guys in there all the time just picking up at the 24-hour fitness even. Um, and, you know, over my years, I've had a couple run-ins with guys and I'm like, oh, shit, that's so-and-so over there. Mm -hmm. He's playing just randomly in this in this gym. And that's the cool part about being being a hooper is you can run into so many really awesome, awesome people, but like unbelievable talent level people like, uh, like LeBron. Now, granted, I have never, I've never been in a 24 hour fitness and seen LeBron come in. LeBron didn't want uh, to play pickup. Didn't want to play fives with you guys. No, I haven't seen him yet. I don't know. I don't know. I got to go to the one in Brentwood, I guess. Um, but yeah, dude, a lot of fun, a lot of fun for everybody. I'm, I'm a little bummed out that Kyrie didn't show. <laughs> oh, we don't know yet, <laughs> but we don't it know is yet. It's so funny that he made an announcement that he was going to be there, and then LeBron made an announcement he was going to be there, and then, uh, of course, Kyrie missed the game. Well, I thought I thought the play was going to be Kyrie and Braun pull up together and play on mm -hmm. the same squad. I thought that was going to be the play, and I'm like, oh, yeah. this is going to be really cool. Uh, but what to you to what you were saying earlier about Braun getting hurt? Everything I've seen so far, minus one dunk, and then actually an off the glass dunk that he just caught. He got bloody though; he hurt his hand on it. But everything else has been sidestep. 
uh, three pointers. You Good. know, that's what he's working on is the sidestep pull yes. up three. Yeah. Uh, he, both his dunks, everybody got out of the way. You know, nobody's yes. trying to block LeBron. I think the funny thing is this, because I have two former teammates playing against him right now. I got Vince Camper, <laughs> a.k.a. the body snatcher. And then I have uh, Eric Long Beach E-Will, who was the guy that we did the song. We plugged his song a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. He's playing against Braun. And I think it's funny because DeMar is playing. It's it's LeBron, DeMar, and then Casper Ware, who has won like in the drew league he's won in the ball up league he's won overseas he's a pro and it's just imagine like you're vince camper and you're this other team that's just you're prepping to play against demar tomorrow right which is hard enough okay yeah. how do we stop all-star demar DeRozan, who <laughs> who like a true la native plays in the drew every summer he always yeah. shows up and plays but just you know you you're, you're in the group chat with your boys and you're like all right E will, you're going to have to guard DeMar when this happens. And then this happens. And then at 10 30 at night, you get the text that LeBron's pulling up to play. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> all right. What's the game plan for this? We're you know taking an mean? L. We're taking an L I guess boys. Most Well, it's actually kind of a close game, but uh, <laughs> I just think it's great, man. And in LA, I think it's a big thing for LeBron. Cause I don't think, I mean, you can see how much the fans want to watch him play in this scenario. There's and the drew is so different guys. Like, there is no like security baseline is packed. Both baselines are packed. DeMar's taking pictures with, you know, kids on the sideline during timeouts, LeBron smiling, looking like he's having a really good time. And I, you know, I just think it's a really good play and hopefully everything goes well and he does yeah. not get hurt, but it would have been cool to see Kyrie pull up with him. Yeah. Play. It would have been awesome. I, you know, for them to play together, that would have kind of sent some sort of message. Like everyone would have, jumped on the oh, oh it would have been pushing for Kyrie the media uh, cycle would have been crazy today. yeah yeah so I I'm not surprised that it is like that's not what they did <laughs> especially with how sensitive Russ is right now but you know I think uh something that did happen a little while back we we talked about Anthony Davis saying that he hadn't shot a, a basketball in a while um, and meanwhile, LeBron is like all over the place. He's in Europe, he's in New York, and he's working out the whole time. He's showing up and looking great. Uh, and, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because since that, <laughs> like we, like we thought might happen since AD came out and said that he's not picked up a ball and shot since May, whatever, a lot of videos drew May 10th, he's in the gym. He's <laughs> at, 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 at the very least, he's bringing a, a phone and a camera to the gym every time he rolls out. So this is good news clips to see LeBron. I mean, look fantastic. Looks like LeBron, like no, no problems there and seeing him still put in the work. Awesome. And then also seeing maybe Anthony Davis doing a little bit of that is, is nice as well. Uh, Cause certainly it, our hopes lie in those two guys. So I, I'm happy to see LeBron play in the Drew. I would be terrified if Anthony Davis was like, Oh, now, you know, tomorrow I'm coming. I'd no. be like, no, please, no, please, please. Please don't do it. Darvin Ham would have said, to, the hell you ain't. No, yeah. you are not playing in the Drew tomorrow. Stay your ass in the gym with Lethal Shooter and keep working on, on some buckets. I do, I do think it's a little weird that we don't see any videos of LeBron working out with any Lakers, though. Like, he's working out with everybody else but the Lakers, right? <laughs> he's working out with K-Love, and then he's, you know, doing his own personal workouts and with uh, what's, what's our trainer, Chris Brinkley, and then, you know, I don't know. I, th I think it'd be nice. And then we saw Austin Reeves is putting in a lot of work over the summer, yep. which I, which should be really good news for you guys right now. Cause I think if he plays his cards, right, man, he might be getting a lot of burn this year. He should get burned. We mm -hmm. were better with him on the floor every time he was on the floor last year. Uh, and he, he definitely, I mean, I, when you talk about like unexpected guys to be as good as they were, like he went undrafted for a reason. Nobody thought he was going to be able to do what he did in the league last year. So every team is scratching their head going, shit, why didn't we take a harder look at Austin Reeves? Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's a perfect compliment complimentary role player for the guys that we have on our team. So I'm excited to see Austin Reeves maybe put on a couple pounds. I mean, you know, that's that's number one. because Muscle kid weight, is, muscle. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. just light right now, um, which was not a problem in, in college. Uh, but, you know, I would love for also for him to, you know, get a little bit better and better and better at the NBA catch and shoot three, which I expect him to get, you know, to continue to improve on year after year. Um, that's the one thing that I think still, you know, if, if I had a critique of his, the, the catch and shoot threes, he has to do better on because he's going to get a lot of open looks again this year. Um, and so I'm hopeful that Darvin Ham has him in a rotation. 
Yeah, and to, to the Clippers side of that, I finally got an – there was an interview with John Wall this morning that was released on on Twitter, and he was talking that that's all he's been working on is catch and shoot because he knows that that's going to be most of his game this year is having yeah. to catch and He's going to get a lot of open looks, and he's just really happy to be with the team. He knows his role. Remember we were talking about being humbled and, like, yeah. you know, is he going to accept the role? And from everything that he said – Sounded like he is definitely ready to accept his role. He he understands the the wear and tear that's been on in on his body, and then you know uh, being humbled with the contract in Houston and all that. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be even with the Lakers more so with the other guys because we've been saying it forever. You need shooting. You need guys to knock down buckets when Braun and AD aren't, or you know pass the rock. And same thing with the Clippers right now. So. Um, you know, you were you were talking about undrafted people, and I think it's time to talk about Las Vegas Summer Pro League, speaking about undrafted people that I had to watch play <laughs> for four days, man. And let me tell you, four days in Vegas is no joke. And it's not the fun. It's, I mean, it was fun. I love Summer League. I love everything about it. But it's not your standard four days in Vegas, you know? No. It's a lot of basketball. Well, I think, I think most people's standard trip to Vegas is two days. Most people, especially yeah, out here in L.A., you're so close. Two days is usually three for me. Three is like I need to. I, I gotta. I gotta skate out of there. Mm-hmm. But you know, you had a. You had some stuff that you had to do, and some scouting that you had to do a, a lot for, for the show. And it, it's so much easier when it's a thirty-eight minute flight, guys. Like just to get it's so to quick. Touch, it's so easy, <laughs> and you leave from John Wayne. You ain't got to go to LAX, you know. And you have the homie RC. I was with our CEO Scott Hale. Uh, the whole time you got, we have our own car, you know, picking up, dropping off, you know, he's making moves, doing meetings. But the funny thing is, man, is like, I love summer league and I've seen the progression of summer league throughout my whole life. I used to work the Fila summer pro league in long beach, which is a really intimate setting. Uh, you know, not too many people showed up. The biggest game that I ever worked there was when Kobe finally played his first yeah. game. And we've talked about it on that show. But other than that, man, like I used to, we could just walk around and sit next to Ray Allen and there's Jermaine O'Neal. And there's like all these guys there. And now in Las Vegas, it's a fucking thing, man. It is a huge thing. And like there's billboards everywhere promoting NBA 2K23 Summer League, right? And it's Steph and Ja and Giannis. And little do you know, bro, that like it should be Jason Preston, Jonathan Kuminga, and like Max McClung. That, those are who you're going to watch, right? You call him Max? <laughs> Max, excuse me. Max. Mac McClung, excuse Big me. Big Mac Daddy. But it's just funny how they push that. And that's like not even the deal. That's not what it is. Although the NBA, I think these guys, uh, you know, they fly them in for the night. They, they go sit front row with their buddies and then they do their game and then they dip out, go to the club and probably bounce out. But, you know, I got to see everybody except for Paolo. Paolo uh, was done after two games. I was a little upset that I didn't get to see him live. I mean, I saw what he did on TV and he looked, he looked great. Um, But uh, Ivy only got to play a game and a half. And he rolled his ankle when I was there. So that didn't work out too well, but he looked really good. 31 points and 37 uh, summer league minutes. Uh, His explosiveness was there. I got to see him up close, like next to him. And he's not big at all, man. Like Mm -hmm. not big at all. He looked like a kid out there, but he he looked good. Uh, Jabari uh, was really good with the pick and pop. His defense is what really stood out to me. Uh, Chet, I got to see play against Keegan Murray. Uh, and I didn't even think Chet was going to play because once you get towards like the end of the, the, the mid of the second week, most of these guys stop and Chet played that game and the game I, I watched him play, he, he wasn't great. He wasn't really great, but he looked really comfortable shooting the three. You can see why his upside is so high. And honestly, Drew, he wasn't as skinny in person as he looks on TV. Huh. And I know, I know that might sound weird because there was another dude who was playing for the Pelicans. I don't know his name. I, I d- didn't know a lot of these guys, Drew. <laughs> a lot of them. Um, but there was one guy playing for the Pelicans who was 7'2 and like one, 185. Like that guy looked skinny. Uh, but Chet, and I think the whole thing with Chet, and we brought him up on the last show, is like I thought it was so cool that Giddy, I mean, Poku played the first two games, but Giddy kind of was with him for the first four. He didn't play in the game that I watched. And I'm sure Giddy had to shut it down at some point, too. You don't yeah. want to be you do not want to be playing every one of these games. But I, I like how they were working on that chemistry. It looks like they can have something special, especially when you add in SGA and 
and um, Dort and Dort, who just got his paid his his deal. But he looked great. But man, look, the standout of the rookies, and this isn't a shock, but Keegan Murray. Yeah, Keegan Murray was the one, and I got to watch him play twice, and there was just something about him. He had 17 threes in six games, which looked really good. Um, his IQ and his ability to store, score off the dribble looked his confidence. Everything that I saw from him was, was, uh, was really good. And I know yeah. like last year was so much harder because we had way more talent playing in it. You know, we had Cade and Jalen and, and Davion Mitchell and Suggs. And I wa- I came away from that summer league, you know, I think I was pretty adamant that like, yo, Suggs is ready. I love Davion Mitchell. Uh, I didn't, Cade wasn't that impressive in summer league to me. Jalen Green wasn't that. In, so I'm walking away with the rookie that impressed me the most was Keegan Murray. And maybe that's why they went with Keegan Murray instead. They went with fit over athleticism um, and the better player, in my opinion, in Jaden Ivey, even though I didn't get to see Ivy play. Uh, but he looked really good, man. I, did you get to watch him at all? Yeah, yeah. I've seen him in a couple games. He does look good. He's pretty efficient out there uh, with his movements. I think he's not selfish. He seems to play within the flow nicely. And I think his uh, his collegiate career is is the same kind of thing. Like when he started there at, at Iowa, he was more of like a rebounder. You know, he was kind of just a, a guy who would come in off the bench and try real hard, play good defense, hit a couple threes. Um, and then he kept elevating his game. Uh, so I'm not surprised to see that he did well. He's he's obviously on the older side uh, when we're talking about the rookies that were drafted. He's on the a little bit on the older side. Um, and I think, you know, clearly it was Sacramento's goal to get him going and feature him a lot in these games. And I think he answered that bell pretty well. Uh, certainly he's scoring the ball well, he's playing well. And I think the key, you know, this is the hardest part about summer league is like, you know, most of the teams I think want their guys to focus on the schemes that they're running, uh, play within the organizational system that they have so that they can start the season off when they get to actual training camp in a good fashion and like already have some shit under their belt. And so they're not completely, you know, lost when, when practice one shows up. And I think Keegan Murray certainly did that in this. Um, and I think sometimes too, that pressure to just be like, okay, you're the one, here's the ball, go, go do it can be a lot for guys like Keegan Murray that just got drafted, but he is, he's owning it. Well, like, you know, I think I saw one game where Jabari was like three for 17. Um, and I think that might've been against Orlando. I can't recall, uh, but, or maybe OKC even, but there was, you know, in, in reference to uh Keegan versus Jabari you can see that Jabari was at the very least not as ready as Keegan was for this moment and and there's obviously an age difference there and an experience level difference there uh but something like that stood out to me as well it's like I think you're right in addressing the fact that Keegan may have been the most outstanding rookie for the summer league even though Paolo I think is probably still more impressive yes Keegan got to play a lot and we got to see a lot out of him so they, you know, it's it's nice to have your your selection vindicated by a performance like this for the Kings to be like, see everybody, see we oh, picked I get the right it. I guy. get it now. I get it. Yeah, now. for sure. And I think he'll fit in great in the mm-hmm. NBA. I think he should, but I think that's the next level. It's like what you just said a couple of minutes ago is like you don't even know the name. Most of us don't know the names of the guys that Keegan's playing against for mm-hmm. the most part. Uh, and and then when you take that up to known players, NBA players, like that's going to be a major difference. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely keen on him and I'm, and I'm hopeful that this translates well to his start of his NBA career. Uh, and the Kings, I think, you know, we've been saying it for, for a little while, but you know, as mad as we can get about them, you know, potentially screwing up this draft, uh, by not taking the better player and and trading back for another asset, they're building a decent little Mm -hmm. squad. I think I'm, so I'm excited for Mike Brown and Leandro Barbosa just joined that coaching staff and they got a whole list of guys that hopefully they can make a, an eight or nine man solid rotation out of and have a, a fun season. Yeah, I agree. They were, they definitely did well with that pick a uh, couple more rookies. I, you know, the whole, my main point of going out to summer league is to not only see all the new and up and coming lottery guys, but I wanted to see my Clippers, right? I wanted to see yeah. Brandon Boston Jr. See it, you know, if, if they said he put on 18 pounds of muscle and I wanted to see Musa Diabate, the guy that we took in the first round. I wanted to see Jason Preston because we took him last year. 
and he didn't get to play because of foot surgery. And yeah. although us as a team did not look too well, uh, Brandon Boston looked great. Brandon Boston has gotten really aggressive. I think that's yeah. something Ty Lue wanted him to work on was his aggressiveness, going to the rack, finishing. Uh, we we know that he likes to shoot jumpers, his step back and all that, but he looked really good. Diabate looked really good for what we're looking for. Uh, you know, energy, rebounding, yeah. uh, just being, you know, having that extra effort and whatnot. I liked it. Jason Preston did not impress me at all. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and maybe that's because he's just getting his legs back under him after not playing for a year. And that could be the case. But when we're looking for that, that, that third string point guard, I'm not so sure that Preston's the guy right now. And, you know, with summer league, we're looking at, um, I know we're going to throw out a couple names here, but, J- uh, Jay scrub, uh, Xavier moon, who was on our team at the end of the year, both those guys on two way deals. And we also got, uh, who's my big guy. Uh, what's my big guy's name? I want to say Moody, but it's not Moody. It is my seven footer, man. God darn it. Why am I forgetting his name right now? Um, either way, it's going to come down. We have one roster spot. It's going to be three people playing for that one roster spot. Most likely Jay scrub and Tillman will be back on two way deals and Diabate probably. And then we're going to go with the seven, two guy. Cause we need another center. So if this is an opportunity for Preston to try to get that third, that third role, uh, but I really didn't really didn't see it. But I will say this, man, the most impressive out of the second year guys was by far uh, Kuminga. And I was impressed with him last year as a rookie in the summer league. But they had the best team to me, too. They had Moody. They had Kuminga. They had Mac. They had um, a couple other dudes on that squad. But Kuminga, what's that? Witherspoon, I think, is on. Yeah. That team. But Kuminga looked awesome, man. And yep. oh, they had Wiseman too, and that's another guy. So Kuminga looked great. Wiseman did not. And uh, from what I heard, Wiseman didn't even want to play in the summer pro league, right? Oh. He didn't even want to play in it. And I heard the coaching staff was like, look, dog, you're playing in this. All right. You're okay to play. You need to get some reps. And yeah. the one the one thing that stood out for me is I was real close in that game. Is he is gigantic, man. He's big. I'm, man, Drew, I'm telling you. And, and, uh, and I, you know, when you, when you scout players, you look at bodies and I'm looking at him with his back to me and I'm like, holy shit, man, this guy's back shoulders and arms. Yeah. He has extremely long arms and extremely just like built perfectly for the NBA, but nothing about him impressed me in the game. Like he didn't look athletic, didn't look like he had spring in his step. I don't know if that was because. Maybe he really didn't want to be playing or whatnot, but like this is when you show out. I know he had like one good dunk the first game, but I was really impressed with his body. Yeah, I was. It was nice to see him out there. I'll, I'll tell you that much. And yes, the the highlight that went around was the clip, Kaminga throwing the lob to Wiseman, which is a great. That's a it's an unbelievable play for the Warriors organization, right? Like, look at this. Look at this guy that we just drafted. Oh my God, he's he's so he's so versatile. Like he gets to the rim and he can still throw a lob to the big man, and then he can hammer it home. So that was you know that was a big thing. And I you know I don't know. I thought I thought I, I still think Wiseman's very like what you said, physically imposing, very physically impressive. And yeah, maybe his desire was a little was a little down, but it was just great to see him on the floor. I got to be honest right. with you. And and yes, his eyes stands out even amongst like I think there was a game that he was playing against. Uh, OKC and uh, they just drafted the the second rounder Jalen Williams the guy that I love from Arkansas and he made Jalen Williams look like a, just a tiny little guy out there uh, and that's not easy to do Jalen Williams like six I think he's 610 255 something like that and he made him look tiny uh, and even got like a couple really easy offensive rebounds off of him that you would be like oh like that's not a good sign for Jalen mm-hmm. Williams but um, I think Kaminga uh, definitely looks fantastic. I think there's, they're giving him the ball a lot and, and allowing him to kind of create some opportunities for everybody else. They're almost kind of going like here, let, like, let's see what you can do. Uh, and, you know, they picked up our boy Mac and Mac's looking pretty good, still doing some good stuff for the Warriors organization there. I think with Kaminga, uh, sometimes it's the, it's the decision-making, right? Like that's, that's really where he's getting caught up sometimes. And when I mean that is like, sometimes he's pulling these shots that you're just like, nope, that was terrible. Like, what do you, why, why are you shooting that? It's too early in the clock. It's not a good shot. Got to get the, got to get a better look or move the ball. Uh, but this is all stuff that, that they don't really care about in summer league. They just want to go, okay, go do your thing. Yes. We'll take the, the, the fact that you might shoot the ball too many times. or might take a couple of ill-advised shots. 
but yeah, the future is bright. And I think Moody um, Ooh, he had a for good the game. Warriors. I mean, that uh, first game, he had like 34 points in like 38 minutes. He was mm-hmm. on fire mm-hmm. and he looks fantastic uh, this summer league too. So yeah, the, the Warriors are looking just as good as ever. Well, I also think that the Warriors obviously wanted Wiseman to get in there to get reps, but also, first of all, Moses Brown is, is my guy's name on the Clippers, 7'2", 255, take him. Um, they also want to showcase in case they're going to dish this guy, right? Show some trade value and show like if, if they're trying to make one more move before this is over, um, then Wiseman should go out there and show out. But it just, he didn't impress me that much. I know there's a bigger upside to him that we all see. I mean, that's why you're picked second in the draft, right? Uh, but there was also, so I made a point, Drew, and I'm sorry I didn't text you, but I was just so, I was just slammed, was going. So they have Thomas and Mack Center, and then they have Cox inside. There's two arenas within the building. So there's two games going on both at once. The bigger games are played in Thomas and Mack, and then the smaller games are played in Cox. It's kind of like your, your, your varsity gym and like your girl's gym, right? And the girls gym is way more intimate and like you're close and there's not as many people in the place, but I had to go check out your boy, uh, Benedict, right? I'm like, I have to see him. And, and so Pacers were paying, playing Pistons and Scott, our CEO is a diehard Pistons fan. So we went over there to watch the game. I got to see Jalen Durham play. I got to see Benedict play. And let me tell you, man, talk about a hard game to watch. That shit was horrific man <laughs> i think we lasted till halftime and i'm like all right back to thomas and max center because i'm, I'm going to tell you man out of like the 25 30 games that we saw uh i'm going to say two of them were fun and one <laughs> of them being one of them being let me tell you man this is this is crazy like the, that clipper laker game was like so there were so many people there obviously a lot of laker fans and Lakers are booing the Clippers. Like nobody know. You want to talk about not knowing anybody on the team? Check out your Laker team. Unless you're Sharif O'Neal and <laughs> Pippen Jr., that is all. That is all, right? <laughs> and it was such like this this big like beef. Like they were hating on our summer league team. Clipper Daryl's there talking shit, and <clears throat> it's like the hatred's real, so real. And the cool thing about Vegas and having this event out there and what I really like to see is like kids that are from Vegas, like people are wearing jaw jerseys and obviously Steph jerseys and Braun jerseys. And although they're not going to be able to see them play, there's a chance you might be able to see them there. And they were just really excited to have basketball there. And that's why I know that Vegas is going to be a great place for an NBA team. It'll probably be LeBron's NBA team. A lot of infrastructure going up around Thomas and Mac too. A lot of open properties. Maybe I don't think you need any more casinos, but there might. There's a Top Golf out there now, and like yep. a lot of stuff going in. So I think an NBA team is on the horizon for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually don't even think that's much of a, a secret anymore. Mm-hmm. I do think the NBA is planning on expanding. Uh, I think Vegas is certainly going to be a location that they expand to. We're all hoping Seattle's the second location because we know they have to do two. But uh, I think you're right. I think the writing on the wall is it could be it could be LeBron's franchise. <laughs> it could be very easily. Um, you know, uh, he's certainly involved with Fenway Sports Group, uh, which is the team that owns my Liverpool that I love and, and the Boston Red Sox. And I think another team and they that group has, I think, about 10 billion. Uh, in assets that they can use to make a purchase, um, you know, to purchase a team or to become an expansion team. Mm. Uh, And I think, you know, I think the league is ready. I mean, this is the one thing, uh, part of the reason why I do enjoy listening to Bill Simmons is because he does touch on shit like this is a little out of the box. And one one of the things he said as he was going through certain uh, things this last couple of weeks was the league is in really good shape as far as talent goes. Mm. And the talent is running very deep. I mean, every team, even the shitty teams, usually, I mean, there's very few. I mean, the Spurs, maybe not now, but <laughs> most teams have at least a guy that you go like, fuck, that guy's really good. Like, he's, he could be a starter on a playoff team, or he could be a number two or number three guy on a finals team. And, like, every, it seems like every single franchise has at least one guy. You'd be like, damn, all right, that that's a good player. And I think so because of that and because of the crop of talent that continues to rise each year in these drafts, uh, I think it's a good time to expand. Uh, you know, the, the the TV revenue is coming up here in a little bit with the new TV deal. Um, and, you know, the prices are only going to go up for these franchises. 
but I think there's enough talent to go around to where it won't be like this weird thing. If you guys remember like the Bobcats going to Charlotte, that was like oh. a big deal. Right. I remember the Grizzlies were, and the Raptors. It was horrible. Yeah. And they were terrible. They were right. so bad for the first couple of seasons because there just wasn't a talent pool that they could, you know, pick from that would help them immediately compete. And I think that's not the case now. I think we have enough depth at in every team to where you could expand and, and then still have those teams be, be off to a pretty good start. And you got to draft well, you know, Adam Morrison being your franchise player might not be the best choice. Uh, oh, that one's tough, dude. I loved Adam Morrison. He was so goddamn good, man. For all those people that still hate on Adam Morrison, I don't hate YouTube, YouTube his Gonzaga clips, bro. The guy was averaging 40 a game, 40 yeah. a game. I That's mean, it was wild. insane. He was averaging <laughs> just doing, he was doing whatever the fuck he wanted on the court. And it didn't translate, unfortunately for Adam. Also, like which I think he's actually back in Gonzaga. I think he's I think he's doing the broadcast. Oh, he is. He is. He is. (laughs) You know, you know, the other great thing about summer league is if you're a guy like us that like have been around the game a long time, know a lot of players like you can just get up and walk around. I used to do it. I did it in between every you know halftime. I just do a lap of the arena and you would run into everybody. There's Joey Crawford over here. There's a former clipper right there. I went and grabbed a beer finally on Thursday, big dude sitting next to me, uh, you know, take a little glance over. It's Louis Scola. Who's nice. like, who's scouting. I'm like, and we, we did a whole thing on Louis Scola, right? We did. And he was, he was trying to pitch somebody to go play, you know, for his team overseas somewhere in Argentina. So yeah, that's where he was going, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to bother him, even though I thought that was really cool, but yeah, just to go and walk around and just see everybody. You see influencers, some media guys that you look at. I was, uh, we were lucky enough to be in the media section. I wanted to see Rosillo and and chop it up with him, but he had left the day I got there, I guess. Mm. Um, I heard he had a decent time out there, but look, it's just a really great time. If you guys have, uh, if you have an opportunity to ever get to Vegas and, and they probably tickets went up to 56 bucks for the whole day. It's a little, a little steep, but especially if you, when you're bringing like four or five different people, but anyways, it was a great time. They have booze, you know, they have events going on and it was, it was just great. Hopefully you can come next year, Drew. We do it. We do a little partner trip. That would be great. I'd love oh, to I, that. And we also met, I, we met listeners. I had people come up to me. And, and take pictures, clips and Drew. I love it. Yeah, I didn't want to repost them though because I looked horrific, absolutely <laughs> horrific. And I told them, I told the people, I'm like, yo, this is bad for the brand, really bad for the brand. But we, oh, appre- that's so funny. But we appreciate you so much. Um, we'll see how it goes, man. We had some decent news this week. Finally, the DeAndre Ayton saga is over. Kind of. We think it's over. <laughs> yeah, I just right. find I find it so funny because there's the narrative the whole year. We're not going to resign him. We don't want to extend him. Then all the drama in the offseason of like there's no moves being made. And then finally, an offer sheet comes from Indiana for 133 mil. And then within four or five hours, they they resign, they 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 match the offer sheet to Phoenix and for, for Phoenix. And to me, it's just like they were just waiting to see what the market value is of DeAndre Ayton, right? Mm-hmm. Like, man, can we get him for 95? Is it going to be 150? Is it going to be 125? And finally, they just they they break at 133, give him the, the money that he wants, which I think is good. I think that's uh, perfectly assessed money for DeAndre Ayton for his age and what he what he brings to the team. You also cannot let a number one draft pick just walk walk away from your organization or you'd be a, a laughing stock. But in essence, I really just feel if 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 Phoenix would have said, all right, 100 mil, we'll give you 100 mil at the beginning of the, the season. They could have saved 33 mil. I think DeAndre would have taken it, right? Yeah. What do you think about that? They had to do it, right? Yeah, I yes. I think so, you know, the, it's definitely been a strange road for this extension for DeAndre Aiden, right? We thought for sure at the end of last year, coming off a of finals appearance, mm-hmm. they'd be like, cool. Just like you said, here's four for a hundred. Mm-hmm. And I have to assume that he would have taken that money. Right. You, I just have to assume that he would have gone cool, like no problems. And yes, they would have saved $33 million. <laughs> but at the same time, coming off of that finals, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, maybe he could have done better. Or he could have done this or, or didn't give them enough offensive stuff or whatever, whatever the, whatever the people that don't like DeAndre Aiden were saying, I, I like the kid. I think he's a, he's a talented center. Me too. Uh, anytime you can find a seven footer, that's got touch. Like he does, uh, you got to take advantage of it. And and that's why he drafted, he was drafted number one overall. So yes, I'm happy that the Suns have kept the number one overall pick. Uh, 
and I think they could have got a better deal for it. But I also think this is this could have worked out in their favor. Clips, right? Like they took a chance here and said, "Okay, let's see what the market dictates." And I'm I'm very happy that the Pacers were like, "How about this? We're gonna throw a giant fucking number, the largest match offer it. sheet, match yeah. it, <laughs> the the largest offer sheet." And it's like, now what? Right? So now what are you gonna do? I love it when teams put other teams under pressure like that for the put their money where their mouth is. Exactly, mm-hmm. because guess what? If if the Pacers go, all right, here's three for. 65 or here's four for 78 mm-hmm. sons are like boom no problem matched and then we saved off of the hundred right that's mm-hmm. probably the mindset that they were in and so you take that coin flip risk and it came back where now they have to pay the piper and the piper is deandre Aiden. so i but i do think that on the larger picture here like you said when you started this the saga my at least the, i don't think the saga is over but maybe the chapter in the saga is over because while he is extended this does not limit them from trading him, but but I don't think they can actually trade him until a certain deadline has passed this season. So I think that might be in November, maybe December. Uh, but I do believe that he actually has some protection on the trade, but it still could happen. Like mm-hmm. so a trade, for instance, like the biggest trade that we have been t- talking about uh, is the Kevin Durant Brooklyn trade. So I think still that that doesn't close the door on that because the money still kind of works uh, for both teams. Uh, so I don't think the saga is over as far as like, oh, good, Aiden's going to be a Phoenix Sun for the next four years. I don't think that's the case. But the, at least it's done with the fact that he signed. He's our yeah. asset. He's and they ours. made it and they made a good move in doing right. so, right? Securing the asset. Yes, it's more money than they probably wanted to pay him. I mean, if you break that you down, think it's four, fair though, right? Four years, one thirty-three is that's that seems pretty that's a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah, but it's but it's it's their fault. Clips is what we're saying. It, right. it's their fault that that's where what it has come to. Still a lot Which of money. Seems, it seems like a lot for DeAndre Aiden, but it doesn't seem like a lot for a number one overall draft pick that helped you get to a finals, right? So, like, it's all in the grand scheme of things. Is he worth, uh, whatever, $20, 24000000 million more than Jalen Brunson? I would say yes. I would say yes that he is. And 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 $33 million more than Anthony Simons? Mm. I would say yes to that as well. Right. So I, you know, it's, it's all in the scheme of things that we have to, we just have to get used to these giant numbers. I think that's the thing that blows me away Look year at, after year. It's like, homie, damn, everybody's getting paid. Dame is just, making, our expectations is gonna make, are different. Dame is going to be making $60 million. And that, that for no reason. What the <laughs> hell? No, there's no reason. Hey, I love that. you, Dame. I love you, Dame. <laughs> we love Damian Lillard and get your money. I'm with that. But Why? Portland, why would you do that? I did. <laughs> you want? Oh man, it makes no sense. I do think I. So again, that's a that's the thing. Like I think all of us need to readjust our expectations right. for these contracts because mm-hmm. the money is substantial that the league is getting, that these teams are getting, and so of course the money should go up to the players, right? Like that. It's it's fine that they correlate that together. Yes. The trends go up. But when you're competing against nobody and you're just throwing money against the wall for no reason, the guy is clearly on your team. I'd like, I, 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 I mean, look, man, $65 million uh, at, at one point is going to be astronomical. But again, by that time, the NBA TV rights deal would have come in. Potentially, we might have two more teams that's going to have a big splash of cash in order for them to enter, like if, if Vegas and Seattle expand. So there will be a lot of money coming into Portland to make it not feel as big of a deal when that rolls around in whatever 2027 but it is um it was it was shocking surprising and and fantastic for dame i mean i have no i i I just it just doesn't seem like they needed to do that (laughs) like he was gonna be there he he was gonna stay and no matter which way you want to play it drew whether the more money comes in from tv deals which it will but it's still going to be a significant bite out of your cap no matter what and whether you have to, I'm not telling Dame to do James Harden and be like, yo, I'll play for right. 15 million. Nah, but like, do I really need the 60? Like what, <laughs> or do I want to at least try to compete for a chip? You know, we, we posted on our page today, like by, by the time this, this contract is over for him, this extension that he just did, he would have made close to $450 million, half a billion, right? Like, God damn, it's a lot of bread. And I know he means a lot to Portland, but at one point, you know, you might have to sacrifice a little of that to try to try to build something there and win basketball games. That's just my opinion. And, 
you know, obviously Portland was like, fuck it. We'll just give you whatever you want. You're, you're our legacy guy. You're going to be with us till the end. But don't you think like if Dame could actually recruit players, he would have had players by now. Right. Like people would want to be like, Hey, I want to play with Dame in Portland. It's not happening. Why do you think that is? Well, and that seems like year after year, we have that this same kind of conversation. Like, why does nobody want to go to Portland? Why does nobody want to play with Dame? Mm-hmm. Why does nobody want CJ McCollum? <laughs> right. Like, you know, and then finally the CJ deal happens and it, and it's clearly a rebuild move. Right. Because they don't go for uh, a player exactly of his caliber. Right. They don't go for CJ for Brandon Ingram straight up. Right. Like they didn't do a big player for big player move. They went for the picks and, the, you know, kind of spread it out over some solid players like Josh Hart and what have you. But uh, it is it's I don't I don't know the reason behind that as to why guys are not like trying to sign up to play with Dame. And maybe there, because there was such, you know, a buzz around potentially him leaving um, that maybe that deterred some guys from it, but it is, it is strange, man. I don't, I don't know if I have an answer as to why nobody wants to go to Portland. Uh, he seems like a great guy. He seems like a great teammate. Right. Uh, he, he had no problems with CJ, you know, being a co-star, right. CJ mm-hmm. was able to flourish for several years. I mean, with, with Dame, uh, I just, I don't, I don't quite understand why nobody goes, all right, cool. I'll go up to Portland and play with Dame. <clears throat> and now they're, they're stuck with a backcourt where they're paying a lot of money to Simons and, and to Dame Lillard. And so maybe they're going, Hey, let's see what this does. Right. Simons was great last year uh, on a team that was actively trying to lose games mm-hmm. uh, on a team that was feeding him the ball and saying, Hey, we need you to score. And so he, and he stepped up and he, he answered that. I think he did a really good job shooting the ball for them. He scoring. did. Did great. He did great, and I think the contract that came his way is more than I would have paid for him. But again, it's that market thing that we just talked about. Like the market is what it is. So, but I think the hope is for them uh, that that maybe this year is is another weird year for Dame, right? Like, well, it's going to be weird, Drew, because look, maybe maybe it's I mean, it's obviously the front office. How are you going to you know get rid of CJ? Pay Dame sixty million a year. Give Simons this huge deal. Let's get rid of Norman Powell and Rocco, guys that can actually for nothing, for virtually nothing, for Eric Bledsoe who just got waived by them, right? right? Not even on the team anymore. So either it's a complete tank. We're just gonna we have to spend this money. So we're gonna we're gonna spend it on yeah. you guys. But it doesn't seem to me like they're actively trying to build a contending basketball team. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's the thing is like right now it feels like they're stuck in that in that no man's land place that no NBA team wants. It's like, all right, do we do we go all out with the squad that we have? Haven't they always been there, though? Haven't they always been there? That's what I'm saying. Like, Mm -hmm. it just it seems I mean, they had that one run to the Western Conference finals not too long ago, which was great. But outside of that kind of anomaly, they've been in the lower seeding of the playoffs Mm -hmm. or in the play in game. And so like that, that's the last place that any NBA franchise wants to be in. So I, I think they have to make a, de- a decision internally, like, okay, Dame, how many games do you want to play this year? You, you know, like how many games do we want to actually win? Are we going to try and tank and go for Wembo slice? Mm-hmm. You know, like what, because they have some decisions to make, but if you look at how the West is stacking up, they're on the short end of the stick. They're here. on the bottom. They're in the bottom half. They're definitely firmly in the bottom half. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with the roster that they have right now, even as good as Dame is, I would be shocked if they got into the actual top eight. Mm-hmm. I would, I don't think they will. I don't think they'll do it. I mean, who knows, right? Every year there's a team that surprises us. And every year there's a team or a couple teams that has injuries that drop down below where we expect them to finish. But certainly if, if things are in a vacuum, they are one of the worst teams in the West, even with Dame Lillard. Um, speaking of, like tanking and whatnot, Donovan Mitchell. So it's been heating up that that spider is going to be out of Utah. Of course, yeah. their asking price right now is just too ridiculous. I don't think any of these trades are going to get done at all. Like, like I still think KD is going to be in Brooklyn. I don't think that's going to get done at all. From what I've heard is is now the Kyrie thing. Although like talks have settled a little bit, I heard that if it works, Russ is going to have to go to San Antonio. Uh, that's the only way for, for Kyrie to come to the Lakers. Uh, and then Russ fires his manager yesterday of 14 agent, years I think. agent, which is, you know, a little shocking to me, especially after 14 years, but Donovan, you know, what's the play for him now? What are they, are they going to ask for the whole farm for Donovan now? Is it New York? Is it, what's it going to be, man? Well, yeah, it seems like for a moment there, 
Utah was like, cool, we'll get off Rudy and then we'll build around Donovan. For like and three some, days. For like three days. Right. And then, yeah. And then in, within the same week, it was like, actually, meh, maybe not. We're, we, we, let's see. Like, we, they got so much in return for Gobert that it would be stupid for them not to look at what people are willing to offer for Donovan Mitchell and just do a full restart. They got a new head coach, uh, new ownership group in there, as we know. So I'm, I'm not, I will not be surprised if Damian Lillard gets traded. And to me, like of the big Donovan, potential Donovan trades Mitchell. that we've all talked about. Sorry, sorry, Donovan. Yeah, of the potential trades that trades that we're talking about, like Katie, Kyrie, Donovan. I think Donovan's the one that can get done this this off season. Uh, I think the Knicks, you know, have to be in the mix for this. They, I mean, it sounds like they may have already made an offer that was rejected. But if you're the Knicks, this is exactly the way to kickstart what whatever it is that you want to do here. Uh, you can get Julius off your books for this trade here. You you can package a couple other things. Uh, to make this a reality and then having Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell as your backcourt could be a lot of fun. And who knows who the other teammates might be, right? Like does, does RJ Barrett have to be involved in the trade? Does Obi Toppin have to be involved in the trade? We don't know. But, but if you're the Knicks, like this is, this is the moment, right? This is your, like they've been waiting for a chance to grab a superstar. They grabbed, uh, you know, a good player, a, you know, potential all-star in Jalen Brunson as his career goes. And Donovan Mitchell certainly was on the path to being, uh, I think, in the realm of all-star, superstar kind of stuff. Uh, but that is halted because of Gobert, I think, really. And yeah, so does, I, I does... think I think the thing is this. It, it makes a lot of sense for Utah to go, fuck it. Like, let's, let's sell everything and let's see what we can get. And I kind of expect that to happen. Yeah, but does Brunson and Mitchell move the needle for anybody? Like, are, are we scared of a backcourt of Brunson and Mitchell? Is anybody? I'm not. Scared? I don't know. Scared is the answer is no. But are you scared of the current backcourt that the Knicks have? What I is there? But I have no scared. idea what it is right That's now. That's what I'm saying. I'd Wait. be much more scared of a Jalen and Donovan backcourt than what they currently have, which is just Jalen Brunson and, and maybe Quickly. RJ. But I think RJ is probably better suited as, as a three. Mm. But um, anyway, I, I, I understand what your point is. Mm. But when, when the Knicks have struck out on every single player <laughs> – Everybody that they've gone after they, it really does feel like this could be the chance for them to land somebody that actually wants to go to the Knicks. I mean, yes. as far as I know, Donovan seems like he's open to that idea and would be a great New York Nick. Uh, so anyway, I, yeah, of those three, like Kyrie, Katie Donovan, I think Donovan's the one that has the, the highest likelihood of actually going somewhere. Uh, but you know, Danny Ainge is, is very crafty with this mm -hmm. shit, right? Uh, so, you know, who knows, who knows whether or not he actually feels that way about Donovan and actually wants him to get up out of town. Or if he's just going, Hey, let's fucking, Hey, let's like, let's see, let's see what, let me float this out here and see what we get in return because the Gobert haul that they got was historic. Yeah. I think if anybody like overpays, it'll be for Donovan will be the Knicks, right? Like they've wanted, like you said, a super a star there at least that wants to be in New York. Like he wants to be there. He's a huge Mets fan. You know, he's from there. Correct. And so, uh, yeah, I think they would do that. And I think that the Knicks deserve somebody like that too. Young, exciting, uh, will embrace the city, but again, it's what other pieces are you going to have? That's going to help the, these guys win. Right. And New York wants yeah. a winning team, not necessarily just a star. Right. We saw that with Mello. You got to win. We want you to win, you know, yeah. And it's just not working. So final thoughts, Drew, you got any final thoughts for me? The final thought that I have is, is regarding the, the Russell Westbrook firing his agent. So yeah, it was, I think it was yesterday, right? Clips is that mm -hmm. when, when yes. it went down uh, his agent, Russell Westbrook's agent, Thad Foucher, that has been his agent for 14 years. Uh, and they have parted ways due to the fact that there's irreconcilable differences and suggested that there was no longer full alignment with Westbrook about whether the former MVP should want to remain with the Lakers for the final season of his $47 million contract. Uh, and so the reason I'm bringing this up is mostly because as, as most of our listeners have known, uh, I, I really want to get rid of Russ. Um, I think the team needs it. I think Russell needs it. I think Westbrook needs it himself. Um, and this is a this is a kind of a scary move here for for me as a Lakers fan, because it sounds like his agent was giving him good advice. 
maybe it's time to look elsewhere. Maybe it's time to not be a Laker. Maybe it's time to take a buyout. Maybe it's time to accept a trade. Maybe it's time to accept the role coming off the bench. Who knows exactly what the, uh, the differences were between the two of them. But I have to assume based on all the information that I know that his agent was potentially offering him an opportunity or at least getting him um, comfortable with the chance that the Lakers might not be the place that he retires, right? The place that he ends his career at. And I think that has to be, it has to be on Russell Westbrook's forefront of his brain. Um, And I think with this firing, it means that Russ is definitely going to (laughs) stay. He's definitely going to stay for this year. We're going to pay him that $47 million unless we can find a, a trade partner, which doesn't look very likely. And then who knows what will happen after that. I would be very interested to see what, he, what the market would do with Russell Westbrook if he becomes a free agent at the end of this year. Like, who's going to offer him? What kind of contract? Where would that even be? I would be very, very interested in seeing that play out. And unfortunately, I think for Lakers fans, we're in for another year of Russell Westbrook and a potentially a same kind of a year that we had last year. Um, and so my final thought is just this. I'm preparing mentally <laughs> for another very tough season for the Lakers. Another year of LeBron wasted. Um, I think hopefully if Anthony Davis can come back and play um, to his potential, to the potential that he's already displayed, for this for this Lakers organization, maybe we can turn a corner and maybe something will happen. Uh, but mostly, I'm already just I'm just setting the expectations now so that I'm not so fucking bummed out when nothing happens and we start the season with the same roster essentially that we had last year. Uh, and it's a bummer. I think to Russell's case on this, you know, four teams in four years, he's home. He wants to be in L.A. I think last season definitely left a very bad taste in his mouth because in L.A. you hear everything, right? He He's heard all the West Brick shit. He's heard Skip Bayless and everybody else saying how bad of a year it was. He's taking all of the blame for it, not LeBron, not AD. It's Russell Westbrook is the one that fucked up this whole season, which in, in actuality isn't really the truth. I mean, he's definitely part of it, and he did not play – great last season. His numbers weren't horrible. The fit was really bad, right? And I think at this point in your career, after you being the man and the MVP and the triple-double guy and then going through a season like that um, and then having your own, your side dude, your guy that's been with you your whole time telling you something that you don't want to hear, right? And unfortunately, that's what agents are for, to tell you all the things that you don't want to hear, not what you should hear. This is why you pay. Have you ever heard Thad Foucher's name ever? Never Never before this. Never. Me either. Okay. And that's a good thing because you don't want the agents involved in every single thing, right? You have a relationship with your player to put them and you in the best position, right? Moving forward. So if I'm Russell Westbrook, I would, I would personally want to run it back and play. Yeah. Play everybody wrong. hundred percent. I don't think Russell's going to have another bad year like this. Maybe I I, I don't, I, I think you're down on it because of what, you went through last year. I would still rather have what Russell Westbrook than Kyrie Irving. I know you don't believe me on that or you don't agree with me on that, but I still would because at least Russell's going to show up and play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe I, think- I said, but maybe, you know, after 14 years and having a bad season, he's just rethinking a lot of shit in mm-hmm. his life. You know, he's got the kids now. He's got the wife that's happy, happy here. He wants to stay here. And if your agent is the one constantly telling you, you know what, let's move one more time. This will be, mm the fifth time in five years or whatever it is, it'll be four and four and four years. And maybe he doesn't want to do it. Players want the stability, right? Um, So I don't necessarily disagree, but if I would hope that my agent or my best friend or the person that I can, you know, uh, I trust with, with my money and my future, I would hope that they're giving me the best information and the Mm. best scenarios for me. And obviously Russell just wasn't really feeling it. Yeah, see, I think to me, this is a, a reflection of Russ's personality since he since he's been on the Lakers, since I've been able to watch him like every day. He deflects blame, right? Mm-hmm. So you said the blame is on him. We're all placing it on him. Mm-hmm. He's not placing it on himself. Right. And so if, you know, 
this to me is another deflection of blame to his agent. Now this is his agent's fault. This isn't my fault. It's 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 it, it was Vogel's fault last year. Mm-hmm. It was Vogel's fault. Uh, and but I do think there is something to what you said there. Like if the if his agent is like, yeah, let's take this next move. We'll go to Houston, right? <laughs> when he's okay, so again, let's, Houston, let's try it. Cool. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, well, Washington really wants you. Let's try that, and that worked well. Mm-hmm. And I think potentially the the most interesting thing here is that it was not Russell Russell Westbrook's agent that reached out to the Wizards that said trade me to the Lakers. It was Russ Russell Westbrook himself said that and made that move. And you have to assume that his agent was on board with that. But to me. Again, it's the deflection of blame. Russ wanted this move just like LeBron wanted it, just like everybody in the Lakers organization wanted it, even though uh, you know, a couple people like myself were like, maybe, maybe this isn't the best. Let's take a break and let's like look at what pump we the brakes, Braun. Pump the brakes really quick. Why, why are we doing this? Um, but I can see how he could feel like he like his agent had misguided him several times now, mm-hmm. right? The okay, the, the the Houston thing didn't work. Wizards were fine. I actually kind of thought he could have played there for a lot longer. I think the Wizards fans appreciated him there, mm-hmm. but he wanted out, right? And and you know, and when the opportunity came for him to become a Laker and go to LA, he jumped at it. So I just think, and what I really deep down, what I really hope is that it's not a case where he's still uh, not looking in the mirror and going, actually, Russ, you had something to do with what went wrong last year. You had, you definitely did, and yeah, you're correct. He wasn't entirely the problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but he was certainly the largest problem that we had last year. And Anthony Davis is terrible shooting. Um, so it's just one of those things, man, where I'm just really bummed out. Uh, I'm bummed out for us because I don't want to I don't want to be watching him unhappy in these games all the time. And, and like us taking losses, I'd rather see him succeeding on a different organization that can use his skill sets to the way that that they deserve to be used. We're just not that team. Yeah, I think you said it right there with unhappy. And it seemed like the whole season he was unhappy. There was nothing pleasant about Russell Westbrook the whole year, whether it's with, and he's not the most, ple- I don't know Russell, so I'm not, you know, speaking on him as a person in the general public, but he just doesn't look like he's happy to be a Laker. He doesn't look happy in media, in media conferences. He doesn't look happy being asked tough questions. And what you're talking about, about looking in the mirror, is exactly what we talk about on this show so many times. I refer to it as humbleness. And whatnot, it's it's the bottom line of being is having self-awareness of who you are and your situation that you're in. And I'm just going back to John Wall. If like the John Wall interview today, right, was everything I wanted to hear as a Clipper fan. Guy's been through some shit, lost his mom and his grandma in the same year, went to some really dark places. Basketball is all he's had. And then when you're going through all this stuff and people are talking about, oh, the, all the money you make in the games that you're not playing, that can ride you, dude. That can be weights on your shoulders. And with him coming out and being self-aware of the situation that he's been in and what he what he wants to do moving forward in his career made me feel really happy. If Russell Westbrook would do the same thing and be like, and it'd be so easy, easy being like, it doesn't need to be some long written out, thought out piece. It needs to be like, you know what? I wasn't that great last year. We really didn't. Our chemistry wasn't great, but I'm going to do everything in this offseason uh, I'm uh, to work with Braun and work with the coaches. Darvin wants him here. At, at least Darvin's saying all the right things. We're really excited to have Russell Westbrook. That should make Russ feel really good. But if Russ was the guy that just said, you know what, we can do so much better. And I, I'm going to be the guy that's going to be the catalyst to that. Yeah. Whether, you know, and, uh, you know, Braun and him not sitting close to each other next to each other at the summer league game. That looks a little weird. Yep. You know, you don't see any posts on social media of like, you know, looking forward to the season or working out with my brothers like I'm seeing everywhere else in the NBA. So that's that's the little if you're going into next season with the chemistry still fucked up, like yeah. then that's going to be the problem, Drew. It is. It's going to be. It, it, I mean, look, man, the, the I, there's with a new head coach and a new system, there's some hope that we'll figure it out. But that hope is just weighed down by the evidence of last year. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't see it changing. He's going to still take ill-advised shots and try to bank in shots that he shouldn't try to bank in and miss layups and and miss defensive assignments uh, and turn the ball over a lot. Like, it's just, unfortunately, 
the fit it was never was never there and i don't think i can expect it to change uh based on everything that we've seen so i i i hope <laughs> i hope that that happens i hope russ shoots less i hope he's happy with like if he can come into the season with the goal of leading the league in assists and not worry about how many points he scored and not necessarily worry about how many rebounds he got that would be the greatest place for us to start. But I just don't, I don't think that's going to happen, bro. All right. My final thought. This is interesting, Drew. This is a follow-up to last week's final thought. Now, if you go back to last week and I swear to God, guys, this will be the last time I talk about my glitch pass. Okay. (laughs) It's the last time I'm going to bring it up because I just got, I got complete validation this past weekend at summer league. And I'm going to tell you why. Have you seen the, documentary on 30 for 30 on the and one mixtape the 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 greatest mixtape on 30 for 30 i haven't yet to watch it but i am aware of it it is absolutely phenomenal and it was directed by my guy set free set free is a cultural icon within basketball within art and within fashion everybody knows set free set free is the reason why and one became and one. He was the DJ in New York that got all these videos that put music to it, sold it. He is the reason. He is the the, the godfather of and one basketball. Okay. Set free is a homie of mine. I, I, even after I watched the 30 for 30, I hit him in the DMs. I'm like, hey, bro, absolutely love the documentary. You did a great job on it. Phenomenal. Didn't hear back from him. It's all right. He's a busy guy, popular guy. So mid game, one of those games where I needed to get up, I think it was the I think it was, uh, I forget which game. It was like it was like Rockets Hawks or something like that. That game was horrible. So I got up, did my lap with, with our CEO, Scott Hale. And Scott Hale can attest to everything that just happened with what I'm about to tell you. So we're doing our walk around. The NBA has a little booth. We wanted to go check it out. So we walk over there. I see set free. I haven't seen him in, in a couple years. We did projects together with Baron Davis when I was working with Baron. Set's walking towards me. I'm like, set. He's like, clips. I'm like, dude, what's good, man? I give him a big hug. I'm all, bro, I just, I, you know, I hit you in the DM like last week, two weeks ago to let you know that I love the documentary. And he's all, man, I'm married now. I can't be checking my DMs and something like crazy (laughs) shit like that. But we spoke for a couple minutes. I said, dude, I loved the documentary. I'm so proud of you and what you did. Um, I thought, you know, what you did for the culture, for basketball, for kids like me growing up and he's all clips. I should have had you in the documentary, not even joking, Drew, not even joking. He's like, I should have had you in the documentary. He said that pass that you have is one of the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Right. There you go. This, this is set free. This is the guy that's seen more street basketball ever than anybody. Thousands and thousands of hours of street ball. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, man, thank you. Cause I just brought this up on the show. And I said, <laughs> I said, I want to, I want to have you on the show. I would love to have you on the show. Gave me his number, big hug. Let's talk. Cool. As we walk away, our CEO, Scott Hale says, dude, he just said that you should have been in the and one documentary. <laughs> I'm like, I know. And he talked about my past. Thank you. I am completely validated drew right yes, now. Sir. Do you, what do you think about that? That's fantastic. I'm a little bummed out that you're not on the uh, on the documentary. That would have been a good look. Dude, I'm saying dead eye <laughs> in my face. God damn it, Clips. I should have had you in the documentary because that passed. Okay? And that would have made everything to me. Oh, yeah, you know? man, for sure. So, anyways, there's my validation. I will never bring up the glitch pass again, although I'm get, I still get tagged every single day. Yeah. I had a long discussion with our CEO about how Luca's doing it now, but his own version. And it, ha- I, I mean, we might have to do a, a, a passion piece on where some of these NBA guys got that idea, because mm-hmm. I swear to God, everything leads back to me. I don't care what you say. Okay. <laughs> so I got completely validated on that. And I'm going to put the glitch pass to rest. It's mine. So you're going to have to pay a copyright fee moving forward. Yeah, you should you should still work on the NFT stuff. I still think you should make it an NFT. That'd be a great idea. I'm going to, you know what, dude? I'm going to do that. And if you haven't watched the documentary yet, it's on ESPN Plus, 30 for 30. You will love it. If you loved and won basketball and you loved that whole 
era in sports, something that that molded me to how I wanted to play basketball. It made basketball so fucking cool, man. Mm -hmm. It made made basketball so cool. So check out the documentary. Follow my guy. I am set free. Uh, You'll see what he's all about. He's doing a lot of a lot of dope shit. But I wish you the best time in Hawaii, Drew. I hope that we drop a podcast while you're in Hawaii. Hopefully we have some good news going forward or something something's going to happen in the nba in the next week but enjoy yourself have fun with your family your your new wife your dog's not going right no no that that would be tough (laughs) she's 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 hanging out back here even though she's named kona uh and we're going to hawaii she's uh she's unfortunately off the list she didn't make the cut this year she uh, she'll be happier here man that that shit's not you know taking a a five-hour flight for a dog No, no, it feels like she's dying. I can only imagine what that would feel like. (laughs) All right, well, we're coming back. We'll be back next week. Have fun in Hawaii, Drew. It's the follow-through with Clips. Drew, and we're ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is. You know where you're at.